listen, if Jesus died for you, you're pretty important. <laughs> People like to downplay themselves, degrade themselves. Listen, Jesus didn't die for something that wasn't worth it. I'll go as far as to say this. Maybe you've heard this statement before. And the Lord reminded me of this just the other day. He said, son, if you were the only person on this earth, I still would have sent my son to die just for you. Now, we understand the masses and everything, you know. But, you know, that really makes it personal when you realize that if I was the only person on this earth and I had sin in my life, the Lord God still would have sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die in my place to take my place. Boy, that's love. Isn't it? Praise God. So that makes you, you know, you look at yourself differently because when you see yourself the way God sees you, you'll love yourself in a healthy sense. The Bible talks about we should love one another as we love ourselves. Now that doesn't mean you're stuck on yourself and you're conceited and all this kind of stuff, but it's important to have a healthy perspective of God's love for you so you feel good about yourself so you can help other people. Amen? How many of you know when you don't feel good about yourself, it's hard to help other people? Right? Well, last week, two weeks ago, we started a little mini-series here called Redeemed from Doubt and Fear. And I want to I move rather quickly through this first part here because I just want to reiterate a couple of things and then we're going to launch into some other territory here this morning. And then I'll release you because I know a lot of you have plans for lunch and stuff like that. Praise the Lord. We want to be sensitive to that. But in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 25, is our, we would call this our launching pad scripture, golden text if you will. And it says, In the fourth watch of the night, that's about three or four o'clock in the morning, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And the disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Now, I just heard this yesterday. I was listening to Perry Stone, if you ever heard him before. Perry Stone has some great revelation. And he, he made mention of Now, I kind of knew this, but he made it more uh, clear, crystal clear yesterday when I heard him. And he said, The tradition was back in the day in, when these, uh, these fishermen, that if they saw a ghost on the water, that meant, you know, this is tradition now that there was a fisherman that was out there and they drowned in a storm because they didn't have radar and things like that to detect those kind of storms that came up. He said, and now if they saw a ghost walking on the water, then that meant that that ghost from that person that drowned it is coming back to take them down too. Okay? Tradition, all right? And there's, there's stuff like that today. People have all kind of weird ideas. And so the disciples saw him walking on the sea, and that's, what they, that's why they were troubled. They said, it's a spirit, it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. All right? But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter had answered and said unto him, Lord, if it's, if it's you, then bid me to come to thee on the water. And he said one word, come. All right? We might say this, that Peter was empowered by the word of God, by the word of Jesus, to step out on the water. Every time you hear a word from God, that's an empowerment to do the impossible. Amen? Because the word will uphold you. He upholds all things by the word of his power, the Bible says. Peter was being held up by the word of God. And it says right here, Peter said, Lord, if it be thou bid me to come, and he said, come, verse 29, Peter was come down out of the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. 
And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. So immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt, or did you doubt? Now I want you to underline that phrase right there, because we're going to camp on that again. O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? We came to this conclusion that doubt, which is fear, robbed Peter of God's best in this situation. It was not Jesus' will, God's will, same thing, that Peter get wet at all. God's will was he walked all the way to Jesus. Maybe locked arms and walked all the way back to the boat. <laughs> Can you see that? But what, what caused Peter to start to sink was verse 30. It says, when he saw the wind boisterous. Everybody say saw. Now that means one of our five senses. What we can see, what we can hear, what we can taste, smell, and touch. Five senses. When Peter got his eyes off the living Word of God, and he got his eyes on the five senses, on the wind and the waves, you know, actually, you know, the wind and the waves had nothing to do with him walking on the water. I mean, you can't walk on the water on a calm day. <laughs> Try it. It doesn't work. All right? So, we're bringing up something right here that uh, anytime that we get our eyes off, we're talking about being redeemed from doubt and fear. Peter was robbed and fell short of God's best and he began to doubt, but when he put his two eyes on the wrong things. Now, I don't know about you, but there's times I've listened to the wrong thing, saw the wrong thing, got my eyes on the wrong thing. I'm talking about circumstance, right? And mo most of the time it comes through another voice, you know, some well-meaning person can say something, you know. And, but we, we see that Peter was robbed and came short of God's best when he saw the wind boisterous. We, would, we could say it like this. As soon as, as soon as Peter walked by sight, he began to sink. Now we know that 2 Corinthians 5, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, I think it is, says we walk by faith and not by sight. Or we could say it like this, we walk by the Word and not by what our physical senses are telling us. Amen? Amen? Now, you know as well as I do, if I was to get in my car, that I better drive by sight. <laughs> Amen? If I got in my car and I closed my eyes, I said, all right, I'm going to go home now, I know which way to go. I probably wouldn't get out of the parking lot without hitting something or so whatever. You know what I'm saying? So God gave you these natural eyes to navigate you around in this life, okay? But when it comes to biblical things and the promises of God, we can't walk the same way with our natural sight. We have to look at what the Word of God says. You know what I mean? You got a doctor's report. You got a bill that's late. You got this thing due, whatever. You know what I mean? And uh, it's imperative to not sink in order to not sink is to keep our eyes on the living Word of God. And that's what we're going to talk about here today. Now, doubt and unbelief, unbelief and doubt severely limited Jesus in His hometown ministry. And I'm just going to quote this because of time, okay? Because I want to move into some other things here today. 
Now, you're familiar with the story uh, where Jesus came to his hometown in verse 5. It says, and Jesus, Mark 6, 5, it says, He could there do no mighty works except laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. Now, the, uh, the Greek actually says a few sick folk with minor ailments. So, there's no blind eyes opening, no deaf people hearing, no lame people walking. Those are major miracles. And it says, he marveled because of their unbelief. Now, notice that. He said, they marveled because of their unbelief. Doubt, fear, unbelief are all cousins. They all, they all run together. They all look alike. They all smell alike. Amen? And actually, to the believer, they're nasty. Okay? Have you ever smelt something bad before? You ever take a walk before and there's a dead animal on the side of the road? You don't see it, but dear Lord, thou smellest it. Right? Think that thing's been there for a while. You can't see it's over in the bushes somewhere, you know, but you're like, oh man, I got to get out of here, you know? That's what unbelief smells like to God. That's what fear smells like to God, and it should be what it smells like to us because it's rotten. Amen? And it's meant to destroy, okay? But Jesus could not to say he wouldn't, but he could there do no mighty work in his hometown. Couldn't get anybody healed. But he said, he tagged it. He says, because of their what? Unbelief. Unbelief. And I believe one of the reasons that we even come to church is our faith can and should be stimulated every time we come to church. I mean to tell you, church is an encounter with God. It's not just a Sunday thing to do. You know what I mean? It's an encounter with God. It is for me. <laughs> Glory to God. Sometimes I go to church. A lot of times I'll say, I wonder what's going to come out today. And some revelation will come out. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm so thankful for the Holy Ghost. Because he's, i tell you, the, somebody said it like this. The Holy Ghost is just as dedicated to bringing revelation to us as Jesus was committed to go into the cross. Jesus, was he committed to go to the cross? The Bible says he set his face like flint. He wasn't moved. He said, I'm going to the cross regardless. That's what I'm, I was born for. And the Holy Ghost is just as committed to teaching us all things, bringing revelation to us. Did you know this, thank you Holy Spirit, that you are just one revelation away from your breakthrough that you need in your life. That's all you need is a revelation. Because one revelation is bigger than atomic energy. And when you get a revelation from heaven and God shows you something, you're like, that's all I need. Just one word from God can change my life. Praise God. My life today is built on the revelation of the Word of God that I have and continue to have from the Lord. I cry out. Every day I cry, God, give me more revelation of the Word of God. Spirit of wisdom and revelation. We also saw in Psalm, I'm just reviewing here in Psalm 78, 41. It says that Israel, they turned back, tempted God, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Isn't that sad? They turned back, tempted God, limiting limited the Holy One of Israel. In other words, God wanted to do some things for the Israelites, but because of their unbelief, He was limited. He wanted to do more, but they, because of their fear and their unbelief. Now the Lord had showed them many, many times His faithfulness, His goodness, provision. And after a while, you know, you expect them to believe something, right? 
that every time they came up against a hard spot, they forgot about the previous miracles. They forgot about the judgments in Egypt. They forgot about the splitting of the Red Sea. How, how short-sighted. They forgot what God did. And it says, they turned back, tempted God, and limited the Holy One of Israel. That's why I'm a big fan, personally, of reciting and remembering and recalling past miracles and past answers to prayer that God did for you when you were up against a hard spot. Now, we've been in, some of us have been in some hard, real hard spots, and yet there's, they're all tests and trials. There's various levels of tests and trials. How many of you know that? There's some things that are just more irritating. You go through them, you know. But then there's that real heavy situation that you deal with sometimes. But yet all of us can probably look back and say, boy, the Lord got me through that thing. I wasn't sure how I was going to make it. You know, and your emotions are running fly, sky high. Have you ever been there? Have I been there? Oh, yeah. Your emotions are taken off. You know what I'm saying? But God came through for you. God came through for you. And the same God that came through you previously will come for, through for you again. Isn't it interesting when the Jesus fed the thousands of people, you know, with the little boy's lunch. The very next day, they're in the boat crossing over with his disciples. The next day, not even 24 hours later, the disciples began to reason and Jesus perceived their thoughts and heart. He says, is it because you forgot to take bread? He says, don't you remember what happened? He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware of, leaven is a type of sin. Unbelief. So if I fed, th fed 5,000, 10,000 people the day before, 5,000 men besides women and children, there's probably, could be 30,000 people there with a little boy's lunch. Yet the very next day, they got hungry. Isn't that interesting about food you can eat today and you're hungry tomorrow? <laughs> Say, well, I ate once back in 1969. I haven't touched anything since. Well, you might be on a life support system then, okay? You have to eat consistently, right, for it to affect your body. Well, we have, as human beings, and we're all like this, we tend to forget when we're up against another situation, a current situation, and we forget about what God did for us previously. And I think it's important to even have a book of remembrance, of a diary, so to speak, amen, that you can recall things that God did for you because it stimulates your faith. Now, we know David did that when he faced Goliath. He recalled, he says, I remember the lion, I remember the bear, now I'm ready to face Goliath. And you stir up yourself by way of remembrance. Remembering what God did for you. I'm not saying this prophetically, but probably some of you here are going through some stuff right now. Okay? It doesn't take any spiritual... You're in the world, right? You've got things that you're dealing with, right? But what about what God did for you previously? We'll talk a little bit more about that. So today what I want to get into, that was just the introduction. How do we get rid of doubt and fear and unbelief? How... Do we get rid of doubt, fear, and unbelief? Do you want to know how? I do. First of all, realize this. You are redeemed from fear. And you are redeemed from doubt. Now over in Deuteronomy, real quickly here, Deuteronomy 28 and verse 66. This is a curse. You remember the curse of the law written 
And also the blessings of the law are written in Deuteronomy 28. You know the scripture says Christ hath redeemed us from the what? The curse of the law in Galatians 3.13. Being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That's us. Amen. Here's one of the curses right here in verse 66. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee. Thou shalt fear day and night. And thou shalt have none assurance of thy life. Now I don't know about you, but that's a curse. Your, your life hanging in doubt. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen up ahead. Oh, I'm not sure what's going to happen. He says, in the morning you'll say, would to God it were evening. And at evening you will say, would to God that it were morning. For the fear of thine heart, whereof thou shalt fear, for the sight of thine eyes, which thou shalt see. Now notice that fear comes by the sight of your eyes. It says right there, well, what you're looking at. The first thing that we have to realize as believers in Jesus Christ is this. I am redeemed from doubt, fear, and unbelief. I don't have to get to heaven to figure that out. That's what irritates me in the Lord too, I believe. We used to sing songs like, when we all get to heaven. When we all get to heaven. We used to sing that in our AG church. What a glorious day that will be. And it will be. It will be glorious. But so many people put those things off to the future. Enemies will be defeated in heaven. No more needs in heaven. That's true. But the will of God has to be done on earth. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. That's on the earth. That's not in heaven. Amen? So notice that in verse 66... Your life shall hang in doubt. Say, that's a curse. curse. Now, Isaiah 43, verse 1, real quickly here it says, For thus saith the Lord God that created thee. So we know the Lord's talking here. O Jacob, he that formed thee. O Israel, fear not. Why? For I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Now notice the connection between redemption here and no fear. Israel, fear not. Why? I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you from fear. Now it doesn't say that he redeemed us from the symptoms of fear. I saw something, well it's going on probably two months now. And it's appropriate to bring this up right now. And the Lord showed, showed me this when I had some revelation. He showed me, opened my eyes with this. He said, Keith, symptoms are a doorway to either something good or bad. And what you do with those symptoms will determine how far it will go. For example, we all know what it's like to have a bad symptom, right? Oh, i got a pain in my body. <laughs> you, know, you know, something's going around. Amen. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm afraid I'm catching a healing? (laughs) It's never that way, isn't it? Amen. If I sneeze, I'll say, thank you, Jesus, I am healed. Hallelujah. But see, you're not exempt from symptoms. Pain can come to your body. 
Sickness can try to knock its knock on your door, so to speak. You can get a symptom. But here's the thing. What you do with that symptom will determine how far reaching that will go. In other words, that's like someone's knocking at your door, but you have power whether you're going to open the door up and invite that person in. Okay? Now, it wasn't that long ago I had some symptoms in my body come to me just a few weeks ago. And, uh, and I said, no, you don't. I said, no, you don't, Mr. Devil. I didn't say Mr. Devil. I said devil. <laughs> he doesn't deserve any respect. <laughs> and it had been a symptom of something that I previously dealt with in my life, okay? All right? And I, and I immediately said, no, you don't in Jesus' name. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Lay my hands on myself. Before you know it, that symptom went away. It just went away. Now, immediately when that hit me, I had fear hit me. Okay? But fear is just a spirit that I'm redeemed from fear. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Now, you can get a symptom about your kids. Right? Sometimes it's easier to believe God for yourself because it's just you standing for you. And when it comes for something else and your, your kids are in trouble, something's happening, you get a bad report, that's a symptom. That's a symptom. Now, what's the devil want you to do? He wants you to open your mouth. He wants you to talk that problem. In other words, the, something has knocked at your door. Now, you're opening up the door and you're saying, come here. Now, we don't, some of us don't know that, but we're learning. Amen? However, you can get a good symptom. I heard Billy Burke say this too. He goes, how is it? You know, you had hands laid on you and you feel 5% better and people are not excited about that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel any better? A little bit. He said, well, hallelujah. You feel a little bit better. That's a good symptom. First the blade, the ear, and the full corn in the ear. Isn't that right, brother? That's, that's primarily how the kingdom of God operates. The blade, the ear, the full corn in the ear. It's not just the full corn instantly. It could, but that's, the, that's not the norm. So what we need to do is when hands are laid upon us for anything... That's the point of contact. We need to say, I've got it in Jesus' name. I believe I receive. There has to be an entry level. That's a start right there. Amen? Thank you, Lord. So the first way to get rid of doubt, fear, and unbelief is to realize that you're redeemed from it. Say, I am redeemed redeemed from doubt doubt and fear and and unbelief. I get so excited when I talk about this because I know it works. It works for me. It'll work for anybody. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that wonderful how God calls somebody to pastor, but he, he lets them practice it first on themselves before they're able to teach it to other people. See, I've been through the water. I've been through the fire myself. Okay. I've had some experience. Did I, did I fail at some of the? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I didn't always do the right thing all the time when the tests and trials came against me, but I'm learning. I'm learning. Okay? So you can have a symptom, financial lack. You can have a symptom in your physical body. You can have a symptom with your, your children, your job situation, whatever it is. But let me tell you something. I said this last week, and the Holy Spirit showed me this. He, says, he said, Keith, I whipped the devil with a scripture. 
<laughs> Jesus. This, I'm going to write a book someday. The Lord's going to help me do it. Jesus whipped the devil with a verse, with a scripture, and so can you. Because he's teaching us how to resist. Submit yourself to, to, the, to the Lord. Resist the devil and he will flee from you in James chapter 4. Well, how do you resist the devil? The same way Jesus did. Get you a scripture or two. Jesus didn't pull out a whole chapter. He pulled out one verse. It is written. So if something comes to your, a symptom comes to your body, I'm teaching you this. You will remember this in heaven someday. You get a symptom that comes to your body and you say, it is written, devil. Jesus was quoting that to the devil. He wasn't quoting it to God. He was quoting it to the devil. He said to the devil, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well, what if you get a symptom in your body and you say, it is written, Satan. 1 Peter 2.24. Here, look at it right here. Who his own self bore our sins in his body on the tree that you being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. Notice this. By whose stripes ye were healed. Past tense. Amen. Bam. You just hit it out of the park. Home run. Hallelujah. Say it is written. Now, that's the problem that a lot of believers are not opening their mouth and declaring what God's Word says because they feel uncomfortable with it. Feel a little bit uneasy with it. Well, listen. That's no different than the first time you tried something and it was a little uncomfortable. Okay? Remember the first time you played a sport or did something? You weren't very good at it, but you tried it. You might have failed. But you kept with it. Practice makes perfect, doesn't it? You can, I can become proficient, professionals at speaking the word of God. The Bible says we are to hold fast the confession or the profession of our faith. We can become a professional at our confession. <laughs> I never said that before. Hold fast. Hold on. Now, if everybody, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Everybody would be doing it. Broad is the way. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. But there will be a few. And I believe you're sitting here now. It will take the word of God and say, I'm going to do this word of God because I know it's the truth. It works. God cannot lie. He cannot lie. God cannot lie. What he said he will do, what he said he will bring it to pass. So realize you are redeemed from fear. Now, quickly go over to the New Testament to Mark chapter 9. And I want you to... I want you to see something here. In Mark chapter 9, we're going to look at a story about a man had a son who was demon possessed. <clears throat> so if you thought your kid was bad, take a look at this one. Hmm. I love how the Bible puts worst case scenarios in the Bible because it gives everybody else hope. <laughs> right? Someone says, well, I feel like Job. You've never had as bad as Job did. Amen. But God delivered him. The book of James says that we are to consider the end of Job, not the beginning. But what's everybody else do? They consider the beginning of Job. That's another sermon. Amen. But Job forgave his friends, you know, and so forth. Prayed for his friends. 
And the Lord gave him twice as much as he had in the end. Twice as much. Double. Hallelujah. Now look here in, in Mark chapter 9. We're talking about being redeemed from how do you get rid of fear, doubt, and unbelief. That's Mark 9 verse 17. It says, And the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Now folks, all devils are stupid. <laughs> but there is a dumb spirit. In other words, they can't speak. And wheresoever he taketh him, he's talking about his son, he teareth him and foameth and gnashes his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out and they could not. Now this man's coming to Jesus. He says, I brought my son to your disciples. I, I tried them, but it didn't work. Amen. <laughs> I tried that church down the road. They didn't, they didn't help me, so I don't know about this church. So to speak, right? <laughs> and he said, uh, he tears him, he foams at the gnashes his teeth, and he pines away. And that didn't sound very nice. And he says, I brought them, I spake to the, your disciples. They, they could not cast him out, and they could not. Now, we'll just stop here for a second. Previous chapters, Jesus gave them authority already over unclean spirits, demons, and devils, and had authority to cast out devils. When you understand that, you'll understand why Jesus said, oh, faithless generation. He wasn't just, you know, having a rough day. Okay. He wasn't just, you know, short-tempered here. He says, so verse 18 says, I brought them to your disciples, and they could not cast him out, and so forth. Verse 19 and he answered and saith unto them, O faithless generation. Say faithless. That means they don't have faith. How long shall I be with you? How long can I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, notice this, the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground, wallowed, foaming. Everybody say Drama. <laughs> okay. Now your eyes would be like two olives on the end of toothpicks looking at what the heck is going on here. You know what I'm saying? I never forget one time years ago in our first church that we right when we first started pastoring back in the in the South Hills, we had we had we met on a uh, Saturday night. We met in a an Episcopal church. You know, we worked out a deal with them. You know, they had Sunday morning. We had Saturday night services, you know. And, and so, uh, you know, God was moving. God was doing some things, you know. And, uh, but there was, there was this couple. Now, they were not married. Uh, they were actually living together. And they were, they were, quote, they were, quote, unquote, God's prophets to the pastors in the area. Okay. And this couple was so deceived they're so deceived that they're going from church to church, correcting the pastors, correcting in front of the congregation. In front of the congregation. Okay? Now, when they came, now I only knew that because somebody else, another pastor said, you need to be aware of this couple. You know what I mean? And, I, and so I got wind of the fact they were coming to my church on a Saturday night. Okay? So I told my usher, his name was Mike. He's a, he was a big hockey player. Remember that, Brother Mike? He was my head usher. And I said, uh, 
Because they, they came in early and they're scoping the place out. You can tell when something's not of God because they had this firm, stern look on their face. They're looking around. No joy, nothing. And I, and I, and as soon as they saw me before the service started, they said, Pastor, we need to talk to you. I said, I will talk to you after the service. Okay? That wasn't good enough for them. And I told my head usher, I said, keep an eye on these people, their trouble, this couple. And uh, they're filled with the devil. You know what I'm saying? They think they're God's hit man to go correct all the churches and all the pastors and everything, you know. <laughs> How deceived can you get? You know what I'm saying? It's not their job to do that. So I started, I was playing my guitar. We were having, we had a worship band and so forth. I'm up there playing. And, uh, and all of a sudden, right in the middle of, right in the middle of our worship service, and my, my kids weren't born yet. They didn't see this happen. <laughs> I think actually Josh was just a little that big probably. But uh, he started to yell out in the middle of the worship. Now, fortunately, I had a microphone and a volume control. And he starts to yell out, false prophet and all this. These are deceiving you and all this kind of stuff. And so I'd, I'd, you wouldn't think that that would happen in a church service, but it did. So I turned up the volume and I turned up my guitar. I said, let's worship God. I mean, just echoed in that place. And I looked at my usher and I said, that's all he needed to see. He came, I mean, this is a tough guy. He put him in a half Nelson, man, a wrestling move. These, these people were relentless. Now, nobody else saw that going on. They heard it a little bit, but this is towards the back of the sanctuary, you know. And, I, and these had double doors like these, you know, through the, you walk into a, a traditional church, you know. And I saw them door, doors jerking back and forth, you know. And he, he got out there and he took them out and he said, you're not welcome here. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, I never had that happen to me when I was in my dead traditional church. I never had demons and, demons and devils interrupt a church service. I wonder why. Now think about what happened here. Verse 20, and he brought them to, and when he saw him straightway, he tear him and fell on the ground, wallowing and foaming. And notice this. this. While this is going on, he asked, Jesus asked the Father, How long ago since this time came unto him? And he said, Of a child. <laughs> Stop and think about that. Jesus asked him a question. He's, he's down there, foaming at the mouth, you know, and freaking out, having a convulsion, demonic, you know. And Jesus said, How long has he been like this? He says, Of a child. Verse 22 says, For oftentimes he's cast into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. See how the devil likes to destroy people. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Okay? So notice verse 22 that Jesus, or he's asking Jesus, have compassion on us, help us, do something about this. Now notice in verse 23, notice he turns the tables. Jesus answered and said, If you can believe, all things are possible to him. That believeth. Notice that Jesus put the B back on him. It's not a matter of what can I do. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible. Now, I like this response here. This is interesting here. Verse 24. And straightway the father, the child, cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. Everybody say honesty. 
There's a part of him that believed, but there was another part of him that he said, help my unbelief. Now I want to submit this to you. The more, the longer something lasts in your life, the more opportunity there is to get in unbelief. Because if you've been dealing with something, not just for a week, I'm talking months and even years, the devil wants to paint a picture on the canvas of your mind. You know how long you've been dealing with this now? How many years this has been going on? And so the devil begins to move in with doubt and fear and say, that's your lot in life. That person will never change. This wasn't even him. This was his son. And the devil lies and says, they'll never change. And notice what happened right here. He says, I, I believe, but, but help my unbelief. He's crying out with tears. In verse 25, and when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, in other words, tore him, and came out of him, and he was as one dead, inasmuch as many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Now notice that verse 28 says, And when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately. They pulled him aside. They said, How come we couldn't cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth not but by, by prayer and fasting. Now here's what I want to make first, first and foremost. There's no such thing as a prayer and fasting demon that you can cast out. Jesus is talking about unbelief. Now, if you fast and you pray and you're in the Word, that's the purpose of fasting and praying. It amazes me sometimes how people say, I'm fasting and they're just doing everything else in the natural. <laughs> just going without food. Just going without food doesn't make you any more spiritual. Now, the purpose of fasting is to get into the Word and into prayer. In other words, time that you would be preparing food and so forth and so on, Right? Instead of doing that, you're saying, no, I'm going to get into the Word. I'm going to pray right now. That's the purpose of a fast. Now, you can fast other things. You can, you can fast television. Sometimes that hurts worse than food. <laughs> you can fast game shows. You know what I mean? You can fast whatever. You know what I mean? The news media, you know? Because your flesh gets, it likes that kind of stuff. You know, nothing wrong particularly with that kind of stuff, but but Jesus is not saying that this kind of demon goes out by prayer and fasting. He was talking about unbelief. The reason that they couldn't cast this demon out is because of unbelief. Now I think I understand why and what happened here. Did you notice that when he came to Jesus and Jesus cast him out, it looked worse than what it first did? Did you notice that? When Jesus was getting ready to cast the demon out, the demon tore him. Rawr! He's convulsing. He's doing all this kind of stuff, you know. So in other words, it looks worse than it was previously. I think what happened here, this is just me, that the disciples did the same thing, but then they were moved by what they saw, and they said, I guess it's not working. And they got right back into unbelief. Now, I heard a very interesting story true story about Brother Kenneth Hagin. He was uh, now the Lord put a special anointing on him to heal the sick and the Lord appeared to him 
put the tips of his fingers in the palms of his hands, and he said his hands burnt like coals of fire. He says this is a heal. He had a special healing anointing to minister to the sick. And also he said, and the Lord said this, he said, if you put your hands on someone on their back and on their, on their stomach and the fire jumps from one hand to the, to the other hand, you'll know it's a demon spirit that needs to be dealt with. Okay? In other words, it's not just a sickness and disease, it's a demon spirit that needs to be cast out. Okay? So he was ministering to, to someone that was having demonic problems. Okay? And Jesus had already appeared to him about this, you know, and it was in a church service, actually in a public meeting. He was ministering to somebody that, um, that needed deliverance and so forth, you know, that needed, he, the, there was a demon causing this man to have these particular back issues and so forth. And so he cast the devil out. He cast the devil out. Okay? And, uh, and the guy didn't look like he got any better. Okay? So he prayed for him again, I think it was. If I get my, my memory serves me correct. He prayed for him again. And he said, this guy came up and he prayed for him again two or three times. And, he, and Brother Hagin said this. He said, now see if you can touch your toes. Notice he said, see if you can touch your toes. And he couldn't do it. And he couldn't do it. So he went back to the seat. And he kept ministering to him along this line. And then all of a sudden, he said, Jesus appeared in that, in that meeting as he would. Now the people didn't see him, but Jesus appeared to him. And Jesus said, I told you to cast out devils and they would leave. I told you to do that. And he argued with the Lord right there. He said, Lord... I did what you said, but he didn't come out. And Jesus took him right back to the word again. He says, I told you that in, in my name you would cast out devils and they would leave. But Lord, I did that and it didn't leave. He said the third time, he said he thought he knew what Jesus looked like when he chased out the money changers in the church, in the temple. He saw fire in his eyes. And he said... I told you, cast out devils and they would leave. And he disappeared. And then he realized, all of a sudden, revelation hit him. He said he knew where he missed it. He said, ask them, he asked them, he said, see if. And the Lord said, it said, if is the badge of doubt. There's a whole sermon on that. If is the badge of doubt. See if you can touch your toes. This time when the guy came up, he was loaded for bears, they say. He says, I commend you to be healed. I command it. And he said, the guy just went like this and he was healed just like that. Now, isn't that interesting how that a little thing like if is the badge of doubt, how it can rob, it robbed this man of divine healing. See if. It's like saying, Pastor, pray for me. See if you can do something for me. I can tell you right now, not going to work. See if you can jump through the hoop. See if your prayers, I've had 30 people pray for me. Let's see if you can do anything. Probably not. Now, if you come up to me and say, Pastor, you lay hands on me, I'll be healed. 
Now, before the service started, Brother Glenn came in here, and that's exactly the right approach. He took that approach. There was faith come out. Brother Glenn, raise your hand back there. I'm telling you what, the devil tried to hit him with pneumonia and so forth last week. Did I tell you what? Isn't that right, Brother Dan? Well, he came in here. He said, you lay hands on me, I'll be healed. The Bible says this. I believe it. Just lay hands on me. Well, see, God can honor that. God will honor that. Praise God. And I think I know why that the disciples couldn't heal him because they, and I'll finish up on this, because they slipped back into unbelief because when they gave the faith command, it looked like his son got worse. That's what happened to Jesus, but Jesus wasn't moved by that. In fact, it says he, he, they thought he kicked the bucket. They thought he was dead. Jesus said, it'll be all right, just go lift him up. And he was delivered. But see, when it comes to these things, you can't operate by sight because you can get slit. You can really, without even realizing, you can slip back into unbelief and say, I guess it's not working. I guess we don't have enough faith. We've probably all done that to some degree. I have. Because you start looking at the things that, are, that you see. Okay? What you can see with your eyes. But Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Okay? When I cast a devil out, it's going. Bless God, it's going. Amen? So how do we rid ourselves from, from uh, fear and unbelief? Number one, realize you're redeemed from it. Number two, and here's where we'll finish here today. You have to keep your eyes... In other words, keep the promises before your eyes and your ears. Keep the promise of the Word of God before your eyes and your ears. I cannot emphasize that enough. Now, especially if someone is dealing with a terminal problem, and I've dealt with people that have had terminal issues, one of the hardest challenges, I'll be honest with you, one of the hardest challenges is trying to get people to keep their eyes and their ears off what the doctor said. What the, you know, we respect doctors, okay? We're not, we're not making light of that at all. But we, cannot be, we can't be always checking and looking and looking and hearing what the doctor said, you know. I know from personal experience what I'm talking about. Okay? We have to keep our ears. I think there's a hospital in Pittsburgh called Eye and Ear Hospital. Well, folks, they could come here and get that. Eye and Ear Hospital. Is that a hospital somewhere in Pittsburgh? Okay, I'm just making that up. Go to Proverbs. I want to show you something here. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 4. I'm just wrap, wrapping this up here, okay? Happy Father's Day. Amen. We'll just include the moms too. Happy Mother's Day. Praise God. I know that was last month. We'll just combine it into one here, all right? So number two, how do you get rid of doubt, fear, and unbelief? You've got to keep the promises before your eyes and your ears. We all know this scripture, but in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, it says, My son... Attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for their life to those that find them, and health, or the Hebrew says, medicine to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues or the forces of life. Now, real quickly here in review, this, this verse we just read here. 
Notice he talks about doing something with your ears and doing something with your eyes. Keep your eyes on the word. He said, incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let my words depart from your eyes. The doorway to your spirit has two entrances. The doorway to your spirit has two entrances. Your eye gate and your ear gate. The devil knows that and he's, he tries to use the same thing, your eye gate and your ear gate. That's what he tries to do. That's all he has. But God says, my son, attend to my words, incline your ears to my sayings, the word. Let them not depart from thine eyes. He goes on to say, for my words are life to those that find them and medicine to how much of their flesh? Now, dear God, the word of God is medicine to all of your flesh. All of your flesh. So if you keep the word of God before you, we've got to build our lives on the written word of God. There's no other sure foundation. Hallelujah. I get so excited about this. The word of God is a sure foundation. I mean, I know what it's like to get healed when I was sick. Amen. To stand upon the holy written word of God. Not feeling like I had sufficient faith. Every time I've ever prayed, the devil was there to tell me, you don't have enough faith. I'm just letting you know that. And I pastor a church. I've been in the ministry 30 plus years. But the devil still comes with a thought in my mind. I know where it's coming from. He says, ah, you don't have enough faith. You haven't been in the word long enough. You haven't prayed long enough. You don't have what it takes. You know what I say? Shut up, devil. There are people in the Bible that heard one sermon and got healed. They didn't sit there for 25 hours and have a stack of tapes. They heard one sermon and they decided to believe it. And the power of God is released. And I'm not making light about getting into the Word and so forth. I'm talking about making a quality decision. I believe God's Word. Now, this is kind of interesting here. But in Jonah chapter 2, how many of you are familiar with Jonah? Brother Dan mentioned Jonah this morning, but I'm gonna, I had him in my notes here to talk about him this morning. But you know, long story short, Jonah was commissioned by God to go preach to this people at Nineveh to, so they would repent. He didn't want to. He didn't want to. So he was on a ship, you remember that? Stormy waters, hurricane proportion. They found out that he was the one, so they threw him over there. He was the reason why the storm was there. <laughs> they threw him overboard. This really happened, folks. It was not a big story, okay? And the Bible says God prepared a great fish. <laughs> Probably a whale. God prepared a great fish and swallowed up Jonah. Now look at Jonah chapter 2 and verse 7. In Jonah chapter 2. Okay, there we go. Now I'm talking about here, in conclusion here, about how... You can get rid of doubt, fear, and unbelief. And that's, let's just, you might have think I've gotten off subject here, but I didn't hear. It says, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord in prayer and came unto thee. And in 
thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And I will sacrifice unto thee the voice of thanksgiving. Now he's in, if you read the previous verses, he has seaweed wrapped around his head. He's in the, he's in the stomach of a whale. No light, stomach acid. Go figure, right? How bad can that be, right? And it said, uh, verse 8, he says, that they observe lying vanities that forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Verse 10, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and vomited up Jonah upon dry land. Now, someone said that uh, the people of Nineveh actually worshipped fish. Now, if they saw a guy coming out of the mouth of a whale, pulling off the seaweed, do you think they would listen to him? They did listen to him. Okay? But I want you to notice, Jonah repented in the belly of a whale. Now, most of us, we think it's too late, it's too far gone. Let's just roll over and die. Right? Been swallowed up by a fish. Correct? But the Bible says that Jonah actually repented inside the belly of the whale. And uh, we'll see here in just a second here that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, He says, For as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. Now, the King James says Jonas. It's one of the Jonas brothers, I guess. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly... So the Son of Man must be at three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now this, this was a type of death, burial, and resurrection that Jesus had. He said just like Jonah was in how much three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. He said so the Son of Man. So Jesus validated the book of Jonah right here. That's the canon of Scripture. Scripture complementing one another. Back and forth. Jesus talked about Abraham validating the book of Genesis, talked about Moses, validating these things. That's the original canon of Scripture. Are you with me now? But here's what I want you to see. In verse 8, he says, They that observe lying vanity. In other words, let me put it to you like this way. Jonah, in the worst circumstance, inside the belly of the whale, said this is a lying vanity. Well, someone would say, what do you mean you're in, a, you're in a literal stomach of a whale here? What are you talking about? What do you mean lying vanities? In other words, he believes he's going to be delivered. And the Lord commanded the whale to vomit up Jonah. Don't you know he was thankful? I don't know many instances where you've been thankful for vomiting, but let me tell you something. In this case, he probably really was. <laughs> the fish was probably happy too. <laughs> Amen? Now, the way that we get rid of doubt and fear is we cannot keep our eyes, and I wanted to share that because that's one of the worst circumstances. Jonah's inside of a whale's belly. Any of you ever had a bad day, but it's never been that bad. Right? You know, the red light stayed too long, got whipped. Got upset at the light. It stayed. Somebody forgot to put the pedal to the metal, and there comes another red light. You had to stay for two lights. It ruined your day. 
right? That's nothing. That's nothing. But in the worst of circumstances, he got his eyes back on the Lord. He says, blind vanities, and he repented. And out came Jonah, and he went and preached to Nineveh, and they all repented. And there was a revival that took place in Nineveh. But at first, at first he was disobedient. He didn't, he didn't even like those people. He didn't even like them. That God called him to go minister to those people. And sometimes you may not like the people that you're ministering to. But God likes them. God loves them. Amen? And if we see things through the eyes of Jesus, we see, through, see people through the eyes of God, He will give us a love and a compassion and a mercy for people that from the natural we could never have. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to have God's love and God's compassion rise up on the inside of us for people. It even says in the book of Jude, it says that some will have compassion in the last days, making a difference. Keep yourself in the love of God. Remember that? But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourself in the love of God, looking for mercy. And it talks about snatching people out of the flames of hell. There's a whole host of things there that are in connection with praying in the Spirit, keeping yourself built up. But I wanted to leave you with this here today. First of all, how do you get rid of fear, doubt, and unbelief? Is to realize, number one, you're redeemed from it. Number two, is to keep your eyes and your ears on the Word of God. Day and night. How long, Pastor, do I have to do that until Jesus comes back? Amen? I was really blessed talking to Brother Dan when he was going through a, a challenge with his body a few months ago here. I'd be talking to him. He'd say this. He'd say, yep, I got going back home, pulled my scriptures out. How did you say that? Do you just kept it before you? You had a certain phrase that you used, though. You, you, you would make your, uh, your declarations or something along that line. You would say, uh, help me with that. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, he, he, would, he would go back and he could get out of scriptures, go back to, the, it seemed like probably dry, I'm, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Go back to the Word of God, open up and start confessing the Word of God when you didn't feel like it. Confessing, by his stripes I was healed. Himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. And I confess that to you, Lord. That's my sacrifice to you. Praise the Lord. What, you know, really, when you stop and think about it, you're taking God, God already gave us His Word, right? Someone said it was spoken that it might be written, and it was written that it might be spoken. He spoke it into existence first, the Word. Then we take the Word, we speak it back. So complete the circle. We complete the circle. And just by speaking what God says about yourself, you can receive God's power and God's healing, God's anointing. Amen? What, what, what's going to happen when you start saying what the Word of God says about your children? Now, I'll tell you, it may look like it doesn't get any better. It may look worse. It may sound worse. You might get a phone call. I'm not prophesying that. But, you know, the devil knows how to mess with your five senses. Okay? With what you hear, with what you see. To get you back 
in fear, doubt, and unbelief. Okay? But if we hold steady, I'm saying this to all of us, if we just hold steady and we just rest on the word of the living God, we say, Father, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know you're going to work it out. I trust you right now. I trust your word right now. And I look, I cast the care of this on you right now. I release the care of it into your hands. If I could have done something about it, I would have done it 10 years ago. But Lord, I cast my cares upon you right now. And I just thank you for your peace and for your rest right now. And you just go about your business. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up. We're out of time here. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes. Wow, praise God. Just this scripture, First um, John chapter 4. Wow. Hmm. 4, verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. And today I was listening to Brother Copeland and he said, how do you get rid of fear? <laughs> He's made it really simple. He said, there's no fear, no fear in love. For some reason when he, he said that, I was like, Wow. So there is no fear in love, but perfect love, the love is what casts out the fear. Wow. And so it's a revela the revelation of God loving us. That's what's going to cast the fear out. Oh, that's good. That's so good. That's, that's why in Ephesians we pray, pray the Ephesian prayers about the love of God. Yeah. But it says there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts cast out fear because fear has torment. And he that fears is not made perfect in love. Wow. Hallelujah. So let's, Hallelujah. We, we've covered that in our prayer time in the back, but praying the Ephesian prayers. Get on, get, let's get on that. To pray that for ourselves. Oh, my goodness. Pray it for yourself. But then pray it for your family, and then pray it for the church family, and for their spouses and their family, that their eyes be open. That's all it takes. You're just walking along, and God just opens up your eyes, and something that seemed hard for like a zillion years, you know, is just instantly. Hallelujah. So, Lord, I pray as we, we yes, leave Lord. this morning. Yes, Lord. I ask that you do give each and every one of us today a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know without a doubt what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory and the inheritance in the saints. And, Father, I also pray out of the third chapter, Father, you would strengthen us with might through your spirit in our inner man, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that we would be rooted and yes, grounded in your love, and we'd yes, be able to Lord. comprehend what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of that love, and yes, that we'd Lord. be filled up to the fullness of your goodness and your mercy, Father God. Give us that revelation of your love for us, that we'll leave here different, Father. Yes, yes, we'll leave here different than we came in, because because we're more aware of how much yes, you Lord. love us. Yes, oh, we just we all de just decide today that we will say we are loved by God in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord.